This is episode 23 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up in this episode, Walmart paying for store traffic. Bed, bath, and below. Jeff Bezos and the Book of Secrets. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and as always, I'm joined today and every day by Jose Chan. Hi, everyone. Jose, it's a little rainy in New York City today, so we're going to keep your spirits up with some uh, with some good topics today, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. Yeah, this should this should be good. So, um, a mix of positive and negative stuff. I think that's our kind of our theme here in this show. Uh, we we don't like to be Debbie Downers, um, but we also like to be realists, right? And we like to see, we like to really dig into what's going on out there in retail. And it, every single week, we get something new to play with. And it's too bad we don't always record every single week, although we try to. Um, but I think this week uh, that we have news that actually probably spans a couple weeks, right? It's not all it's not all news from today, but it's stuff that's going to generate some some pretty cool conversation. And just judging by some of the topics that we were talking about in the beginning, um, we're being snarky about some of these things, but still there's some points to be made. Um, so why don't we start off by talking about Walmart quickly? And uh, I say quickly because maybe the other the other two topics might take a little longer to get through. But I think this 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 little nugget of of news from Walmart, and this was I believe last week of them speaking about uh, announcing how they're going to start essentially giving discounts, so opening up their wallets for in store shoppers, um, starting on. April 19th, Walmart will offer pickup discounts on 10,000 items and on more than 1 million products. Uh, the 1 million products by June they're shooting for. So they're starting with a certain amount now. And I'm guessing by the examples I've seen of the products that they're offering this for, it's probably the bigger ticket items <clears throat> where where they might have uh, a decent margin already. But uh, I can't really tell. But the, the concept is that um, online orders... Um, online orders that are picked up in store get the discounts and um, something like a if you think of a uh, an example I think that they provided or one of the one of the places provided that we uh, got the news from is a Vizio 70 inch 4k ultra HD TV priced at around $1,600 uh, will pick up if they're if it's picked up in store it'll qualify for an additional discount of around $50. So it's not groundbreaking stuff here, but still, I think they're seeing that they're able to offer these discounts um, to kind of, you know, it essentially reflects costs that they would have had anyway, sort of. And it just perhaps adjusts it to a different location to hope that when someone comes in the store that perhaps they're picking up some other things too. And it's smart, right? Absolutely. I mean, they're going to have the cost anyway, right, Jose? Yeah. So, so look, to, to your point, Todd, look, that that's um, a move by Mark Lohr, who is, um, as we know, the founder of Jet.com, mm. which was acquired by Walmart to improve in-store foot traffic. What we're seeing is uh, overall is a trend, and this is nothing new, as, as you said, is the fact that foot traffic in across retail, not just Walmart, has been pretty flat, right, um, year on year, month to month, et cetera. Yeah. And so this is a nice way of having them uh, perhaps upsell, cross-sell, or sell something else, right? Once you're in the store, 
you're you're already a captive audience, so that should I think the bet is that by bringing you in store, giving you a reason to come in, then there's probably another reason to purchase something, even if it's not a high ticket I- t- ticket item. It could be anything. Sure, it's just gonna add on to your sale. Yeah, and and it's you know everyone's looking for a discount lately, so if it does mean that it is an extra fifty bucks off, if it's you know an item of that expense of that level of uh, of cost. Um, or if, you know, if it's a hundred dollar item and you get $10 off, you know, $5, I would do it. Why not? You know, it, it makes total sense to me. And it, it's a great move on their port part to, uh, to gain that traffic because yeah, once, once they do walk in those doors, Walmart's leading on their ability to entice people, uh, to, to buy a few more things once they walk in. Right. Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting is logistics, right? Walmart has enough, um, size and heft, if you will, to leverage, um, one of uh, the articles that that, that we looked at uh, said that Lore said that he's able to l- leverage his fleet of 6,700 trucks to li- deliver products from warehouses to stores. So logistically, it seems uh, pretty sound. Mm-hmm. The only question I, I, I would have here, I, I think we both agree that it sound, this is a sound um, business proposal, is... The discount piece, right? Because then I think across the board, when you start offering discounts and it's something that at some point in the future goes away, then it becomes problematic because it hits sales. So it's kind of like getting yourself into a trap that uh, says, kind of like a JCPenney, if you remember you know, what, what happened there a few years ago, once you take away a discount, then you lose your customers, one. Mm-hmm. The other question I would have is okay so great pick up discounts on 10,000 items but if they're going to go from 10,000 to 1 million product discounts by June logistically that seems a little tougher right that that's a big leap it could be it could be but this is a glorified it seems like a glorified buy online pick up in store model yes right that's exactly. all it is it's just saying hey you know we're 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 going to take the convenience of that which people like to begin with um if Best Buy did this, it would be dangerous for me because I think I would, <laughs> I would definitely take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, the buy online, pick up in store model works. Uh, the question is, can they support? And, and this is part of the, I think the question you were leverage, you, you were uh, posing earlier is, can they support this when they go from um, the amount of discounts on those items? Both can they support it from a fiscal financial perspective and also from a logistics perspective? Can they get the product they need? And I bet you they can. I mean, it seems like they are the they are the poster child of of uh logistics it seems like um so the question is can they can they use their stores as distribution centers in a way where people can come in and just pick it up um and will they keep enough inventory there and will they be able to drive enough volume of purchases using you know that that vehicle that model um to to you know to keep this afloat so yes yeah. Fully agree. Yeah. I fully agree. I, I'm just a healthy skeptic in that sense, in the yeah. sense that I fully agree they are the poster child for logistics, but uh, it's all in the execution. Even though it's a very sound business idea, we just kind of have to see how I, I wish them the best and hope it plays out well. But as you know, with everything, uh, every new initiative, there's some uh, kinks to iron out, if you will. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, I wonder what their costs are. They're talking about limiting delivery costs by leveraging its fleet of more than 6,700 uh, 6, trucks to deliver products from warehouses to stores. So their they're trucks, um, those trucks are going to be very busy, right? Yes. 
so I'm curious as to, I don't think that we saw that in any of the, the data we, we scoured to get this article, but um, I, I'm curious as to how that matches up with the discounts they're providing, if they're still getting margin or if they're taking any kind of hit on this. It uh, sounds interesting, but there's got to be gonna... a, there's a purpose for this, though. It's like there's a bigger picture. There's a always look at the big picture, right? So it isn't maybe each individual transaction. It goes back to what we said earlier, getting people in the store. So they may be maybe they are taking a little bit of a hit there to get people in the stores. Yes. No. So yeah. in that case, agreed. Agreed. So I think that they look because we know and it's well documented. Um, I think it's, it's public knowledge that they squeeze uh their vendors so that they could maximize margin, right? So if they're already doing this and they have a pretty well-oiled supply chain, um, they are taking a hit on margin, but at the same time, that's okay because the bet is I'll take a hit on margin, uh, take a percentage or a couple of points off, but uh, in the long run, it'll be better for me because to your point, I will have people purchasing from me uh, things that they would not have purchased before had not, they not been in the store. So that right. would make up uh, for any hit that they take. Yep, that makes that makes total sense. And that's definitely the model they're going for. And margin is the, uh, that could be the, the the theme of the day here for us because, um, yeah, I mean, with, with that example of Walmart, they are looking to maintain that margin. And, and this might feed into our, our next topic about Bed Bath and, uh, and their need to kind of keep their margin afloat because um, what we've seen with them, as far as some of the news lately with Bed Bath, is that they are opening—they're opening lots of stores, they're investing in some great technologies, but their margins are um, not the best at the moment. Um, at least they're not—they're not improving as, as at the pace that they expect. Um, but that might make sense just because of all the investments they're making right now. So that goes in the next one of uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Their CEO, oh God, Jose, help me here, Stephen Tamares, right? Yep, tomorrow's yep. exactly. Yep. Um, they're acknowledging that they are getting better at digital. So Bed Bath, yeah, they started off brick and mortar, right? And they they were one of those that started before uh, before the internet took hold in that way, um, and and online shopping took hold, and they kind of blended from brick and mortar to uh, to online. And uh, in addition to getting better at digital, they're adding to its assortment. They're improving search. They're investing in some technologies in the back end from an analytics perspective and from a predictive predictive angle for both marketing and for operational uh, operational reasons. Um, but the question is, are these investments and are these, uh, is this push for digital for them or is this push to be better online, cannibalizing its brick and mortar stores? And this is a topic that seems to, I see it every week, Jose. I mean, it's every week it gets brought up. Um, you know, these stores are, stores are falling apart and it's because digital and online shopping is cannibalizing the store. I just don't agree with that. That's just me. Uh, I, th mm -hmm. I don't think there's, I don't think that's entirely possible just judging by the way people shop. Um, but from what we're seeing here and specific to Bed Bath & Beyond, maybe this is a separate issue. Um, maybe it's not as, as cut and dry as what I was just talking about because mm -hmm. they are making so many investments and, you know, they are going through a point right now over in 2016 and 2017 where the amount of investments that they're making is is just causing them to take a little bit of a beating, I think, when it comes to their their expenses and their margins. You know. Yeah. No. Look, Todd. I I, I think so. I, I'm in the camp you're in, right? Is it cannibalizing uh, the brick and mortar store? Look, um, it's moving. 
um, let's say sales from one segment of the business, if you will, because you look at it holistically, uh, to another, but that doesn't mean it's cannibalizing it. I mean, right. it's just changing. Um, it, it's one of those things where they, they're doing the right thing, right? So it's the company, uh, one of the um, sources that we looked at said the company's still opening more stores than it's closing, opening 29 and closing 13 in 2016 and planning to open 30 new stores and close 15 to roughly 20 in 2017. <laughs> so doing the right thing, what do I specifically mean? What they're doing is what we always talk about. Uh, essentially, CEOs are handcuffed generally by their quarterly, um, let's say, investor calls, right? And so they have to say, okay, this is how I'm growing the company because nobody uh, expects negative returns. So here, it's kind of like they're trying to balance it out by closing some stores and opening up new ones. They're able to pretty much neutralize that and try to fortify, if you will, their store network and put them in more strategic areas um, where they belong, right? Which is so it's a recalibration on the brick and mortar front while growing their online front, which I think is smart. And you can, of course, take a hit on expenses um, with when you close a store generally, right? Because if you're looking at right. a traditional store model, it's a 10-year lease. So assuming these stores are open uh, seven years, you have to break your lease for three years and there's a penalty. So of course it's gonna mm -hmm. hit you as an expense. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the shutdown costs and inventory transfer costs and any payouts that you have to make to employees that you can't transfer to other stores or other segments of your business. I mean, that that that's a hit. But yeah, I mean, the, have a, they been doing this for years now, or has it just been the past year or two? Uh, I think it's in the recent past. Yeah, so I, that's I good. So it's not going to be a revolving door of of that, right? Because it could easily just become this revolving door of, okay, we got to take a hit again this year for closing five stores early, but we're opening, you know, several more in and uh, in in better uh, better urban environments or something like that. I don't know. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. It's a messy business to your point in terms mm -hmm. of uh, opening closing stores and it uh, kind of obfuscates your numbers a little bit. Right. But the proof ultimately becomes uh, clear, uh, hopefully, once you stop doing this um, as deliberately and you could demonstrate organic growth, right? Because we've always said that the ways to grow a business are either you grow organically, which is usually the best way because mm -hmm. it means that your standard, standalone stores are being productive. You expand uh, or you internationally or abroad, right? So here, this is a play on um, expansion, hopefully opening more stores and closing. Mm -hmm. Just that data point right there tells you that though they're taking a hit in expenses, they're increasing it with revenue, right? So well, and they got to hope so industry. because they're also opening – um, they're planning to open a half a million square foot distribution facility in Las Vegas. And you know what that means then? That means more inventory. So exactly. um, right, right there, that's a, that's, a huge, that's a huge mark. And they need to be able to have a plan to, to fulfill that stuff and to, uh, and to you know, keep that sell-through moving, to keep that inventory moving. And um, it's pretty basic stuff, but they've got some interesting strategies around this. I mean, one of these, one of these, uh, one of these strategies for them is that they're going to pilot same-day delivery. And same-day delivery is the juiciest thing right now, right? It is the juiciest mm -hmm. thing right now. I mean, I can't wait in Boston for uh, Amazon to start expanding their same-day delivery. I think they have it now. I know they have it in New York City. But that is that is extremely juicy, and especially for Bed Bath, because they've got these other stores. They're called Bye Bye Baby stores. And mm -hmm. um, 
in some in some of their markets. Uh, they're going to try the same day delivery in Dallas, Houston, and Washington D.C. and the 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 baby type stores. So the babies the 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 supplies for newborns, infants, and things like that, and whether it's furniture or other things. That's that is a that is a very interesting area to do same day delivery. Um, so I'm wondering, I'm very very curious as to how this turns out for them because this could be, you know, that could be one way they could differentiate against a either a home goods or a uh, an Amazon type type competitor, sure. right? That's that's a really good point, and, and I think what we're going to see is um, that they're going to take a, once they go into that model, they're going to take a hit on gross margins or further. A further hit on gross margins. So, what sure. does that specifically mean? So, if Q4 uh, of 2016, their gross margin declined uh, to 38% when compared to roughly 38.6% um, in the prior year period, um, as you re- as we read and looked at our sources, essentially, it, what came up was what what's the cause of this? Well, why did it decline uh, that that amount for the same same period, year on year, uh, for that quarter. So it said that the decrease was primarily due to shipping expenses, right? Including a change in the company's free shipping thresholds from $49 to $29, mm-hmm. right? And free shipping promotions. So if if it's shipping expenses that's impacting this to a certain extent, right, then one could say that if it will further erode gross margin if it becomes same-day delivery because it just takes much more, many more cycles to get that possibly product, product in there. Yeah. So I, I think it's all positive for them. It's just a function of how they manage expectations with investors, right? Because um, they announced <clears throat> earnings for Q4 2016 earlier. Uh, I think it was like early, first week of April, and uh, their stock. Uh, didn't um, <laughs> do as well as expected, right? right? But that's expected, right? Because it's it's investors probably thought it was not going to be as it's an okay strategy, but it, their stock took a hit essentially. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you can't, you definitely can't accuse um, their CEO Tamaras of being of being conservative here because he is really, you know, he's pushing from a logistical angle, from a fulfillment angle, and also from um, investments, like I said before, and, and analytics and um, new point of sale systems, um, all these to be that underlying foundation to support the expansion that they're seeing here. Because uh, yeah. they're going to need that. They're going to need the systems to be able to handle this. And the worst thing is when you shop at a retailer and their systems clearly aren't up to par and they're not matching up with what they need in order to um, handle, you know, the, even simple things, simple quote, simple things um, like buy online, pick up in store. So this will, you know, I think these these moves on their part here, and I think you and I both agree on this, that um, these moves that they're making it could very well pay off. It may yes. not pay off now, but um, they've got these building blocks in there from all angles on logistics and, <clears throat> and in-store and the back end, um, uh, even how they're approaching their customers using, using predictive modeling uh, on the marketing side. They're going to be able to at least get this out there and make people aware of it. And the, the brand alone will help keep them going in this case because, you know, anyone exist, in existence in the past 20 years uh, knows them. And um, that's proven to be an, a big advantage for retailers lately. You know, even the yeah. ones that are having problems, they, they get an extra lifeline or, or 10, it seems. 
Yeah, for sure. I think what's happening here too, Todd, is is you have to look at it uh, from the macro level as well, which is the mm-hmm. way we've been talking about this, is it's not just about the maximizing revenue component. It's about just survival. Uh, the way uh, retail is going, look, it's a shakeout. There are going to be winners and there are going to be losers. The loser is going to close. Uh, anyone in between is just going to muddle through and they're going to make it or not. Chances are they probably won't. Uh, and those that are standing left or left standing are the ones that take these hard decisions, right? And and kind of invest, uh, close um, real estate that's not productive uh, and utilize tools, right, that are um, cutting edge in predictive analytics, right? right? So he, he, here's another data point from uh, one of the sources that we looked at. So uh, we had talked about gross margins decreasing in Q4. Um, they believe overall, uh, and this is the CAO Tamara's, um, that margins are likely to decline further in 2017, right? Not only because of shipping, but also coupon, payroll, and technology expenses. So he's already warning the street that their EPS um, is essentially projected to decrease as much as 10%, right? So it's kind of managing expectations. He's saying, look, guys, we're taking the, the we're making the hard decisions here. And we're going to take a short-term hit to what you're saying, Todd, in order to benefit us in the medium to long term. And it's not, um, you know, a quarter-to-quarter issue here. It's survival, and it's getting ourselves uh, healthy and stronger so that we could be uh, remain competitive and become even more competitive on a go-forward basis. Is the translation that I I would take uh, from this? Yeah. Agreed. We'll see how it goes. So let's move off to uh, to to Jeff Bezos in the Book of Secrets. So he has this is very interesting here, and I, I read the whole thing, and I'm sure, honestly, most most people did because it, it's very interesting when he opens the, you know, oh, I guess pulls the curtain back here, and this is really what he did in his annual shareholders letter. Um, so what he did is that he he really just kind of explained in in and I would say in very human terms. You know, very regular terms of how he runs Amazon. Um, and he dialed it back to the 90s when they started off and the way he uh, he referenced the way he spoke about Amazon back then. And it's very similar to how he speaks about them now. Um, and he, he gosh, he, he revealed a whole bunch of stuff. It's almost like he it's almost like he's writing a book and took pieces out of it. <laughs> Right, he's like he's obviously in there writing his book, and which you know will will obviously you know fly off the shelves. And it's like, hey, you know, I'll throw some of this in our uh, annual shareholders letter. So, uh, yeah, and he he talked about a lot of things, and you know, and he talked about some of his he talked about some of his uh, I guess key you know key beliefs when it comes to um, how to run a retail organization and. And he's always very specific around that, meaning um, he'll reference he'll reference exact things that they've done in a way that's not fully revealing, though. So he's talked about how you know he went to, through um, about how how, com- how computers have changed um, have changed things from an automation perspective, right? He's talked about how um, people make decisions has changed, right? The speed at which we make decisions has changed. 
And um, he talked about how market research and surveying customers and, you know, uh, engaging with customers has has changed. And we all know it's changed. But hearing him say it was was just very interesting. And, and there was one quote that I think maybe kind of puts a cap on all that stuff, uh, all that stuff. And you know, it is um, customers are always in italics, beautifully, wonderfully dissatisfied, even when they <laughs> report being happy and business is great. <laughs> Even when they don't know it yet, customers want something better, and your desire to delight customers will drive you to invent on their behalf. And this immediately went into why Amazon created the Prime membership program. And he was very clear to say that Amazon, that no one ever asked Amazon to create that, um, but they created something that we all wanted. So that that alone is pretty amazing. You know, they they were able to extract what we want out of. I'm guessing their data, and it created this uh, created this Amazon Prime uh, program, which is not the not really the full point of this uh, this article, right? But it's it's still pretty amazing. That's that's one of the examples of how they how they invented and kept reinventing themselves over the years. Right. That, that's really good insight there, Todd. I mean, if you think about what what he's saying there, and you apply it to what's going on in retail. Uh, look, retailers are having – they have to reinvent themselves. They're reinventing themselves as we speak. And and these last two segments, um, these two retailers are trying to, let's say, capture a certain essence of the business model because up until – in their own way, right, the way that they see it rather than the other way around because up until now, if you think about the macro trend, uh, brick and mortar – we've said this before – brick and mortar was – uh, the way retail used to operate from that type of mentality. It no longer is that way, right? It was the consumer that changed uh, retailers, if you will. Now, uh, it, but it's a combination uh, of both is what Bezos is saying. And what I found really intriguing in addition to what you said, that that's intriguing, but there, there's another uh, really interesting quote here uh, that he's talking like a retailer. Uh, but I guess it's really a business person if you t look at it um, without any context. But retailers always speak this way. Mm -hmm. So here's the quote or part of the quote. Good inventors and designers deeply understand their customer. They spend tremendous energy developing that intuition. They study and understand many anecdotes rather than the averages you'll find on surveys. They live with the design. So that's essentially retail speak uh, to a certain extent. It, it is. need not be. It's hard. It's hard to relate that to Amazon, in a way, isn't it? I mean, it's yes. It's maybe he's trying to make a point there that it's it's that's a re, that's retail speak, but it's also um, entrepreneurial speak in a way, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because at least the, the way I I grew up in this industry, right, is by that mantra, mm. right? The, the the fact that okay, in the old world, pre pre online, let's just take just um, the the merchant days. You would take your quantitative and, and match it up with your qualitative data, right, um, at that time. It's no different today in terms of just a business, uh, let's say, thought. And I think especially in retail, what he said here um, resonates with retail. But if you think about it, to your point, it resonates with the way Steve Jobs was, or at least what I've read about him, uh, right, what we've read about him in the sense that he was so uh, passionate about his products. He was so passionate about understanding how that design would um, resonate 
with his customers that it wasn't just about the data. It was a lot about um, understanding um, the customer, which hasn't changed. And I think this is a thread that we've heard, not just with us, but it, the conferences you and I have attended throughout the, the years. It's many things have changed. Tech has changed our and helped our industry in many ways. But one fundamental truth hasn't changed, which is you can't do anything without understanding, truly understanding your customer. Yeah, I mean, that is, and he has, he has the ability to say that. There's not many other retail CEOs that can say that, or that can at least, mm-hmm. that can at least drop the hammer like that, right? Right, right. And have um, numbers to prove it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no doubt. And and I would, I would only call out something else on, on this that is, is, you know, it, it's, very much related to what we we talk about here and we're always trying to focus in on on the technology when when possibly here and when it comes to things like um the you know the evolution of computers and how um how tasks all over from a logistic side and from an operational side from a marketing side whatever are are becoming more and more um backed by machine learning and um i guess automation in a way too but less automation more more machine learning, which maybe could equal that, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, it, you know, Amazon's been pushing the envelope on machine learning for a long time. And what does that mean? That's That means uh, to a degree using, using data to their advantage in a very basic way. We've heard, we, you know, we always heard about the big data thing five, six years ago. And I think people were trying to figure out what that meant. And and what it's evolved into is almost, um, you know, the machine learning of that data of using using computers, using algorithms to be able to crunch that data and draw out uh, signal and understandings and um, behavioral insights out of that data that can make you, <clears throat> that can provide retailers and organizations like Amazon with better decision-making capabilities. And they've been doing this for a long time now. Um, they said, in part of this, he said, machine learning drives our algorithms for demand forecasting, product search ranking, product and deals recommendations, merchandising placements, fraud detection, translations. I mean, the list goes on. Machine <laughs> learning is driving their entire business and um, no one sees it, right? It's invisible to the to the consumer. It's invisible to me. It's invisible to my, to my grandmother. Oh, she doesn't really use Amazon. Well, she would if she could, but um, it, it's invisible to anyone that uses Amazon. Mm-hmm. And because honestly, we don't care. But what we do care about is that we're getting the right recommendations, that we're getting, you know, the, the right... Um, gold box the da- the daily deals type thing uh you know we we do care that um we're seeing the right uh placements of offers as we're on amazon sites or as we're elsewhere um getting recommendations from amazon um whether we're doing google searches or whatever so they're they're placed beautifully everywhere and sure. uh, they're they're you know they're they're hanging their hat that that's because of machine learning so that that's a big that's a big that's a big statement there for them yeah. and for the rest of the industry and, and to your point, look, it, but if you think of what you're, you're just saying, it, in terms of like taking that, it, it's just good retailing, right? I mean, it, it, that's what they're doing right. Even though no one sees it, that's the point in the sense that uh, if we think of, okay, so omnichannel is normal. Omnichannel isn't a term. It's just a buzzword at this point. But in it, it, its essence, it's just a way to capture uh let's say the sentiment that that goes like this you have to make um you the retail experience seamless for your customer 
and every touch point, right? So if that's mm-hmm. the case, then they've succeeded in doing that. If they're, if you can't see the tech, if you get the benefit and you get the pleasure of getting things in one day, same day, two day, free, um, and many other services, then they're doing many things right, which is really the whole premise of retailing, whether it's digital or not. Um, at this point, it's digital for Amazon, um, which is what we're talking about. It it speaks a lot, and they, they've done this right. Now, look, they're not perfect, but look, they, they've he's a visionary uh, overall, if you think about what, what, what he's saying here. Yeah, but they're using the, the great thing is that they are using they're using data in a way that is that is clearly paid off. And, you know, we look back at, at Bed Bath and other retailers that are doing the same thing, though, maybe a little bit late in the game, but it's OK. You know, they're making these investments that Amazon made a long time ago. Um, so maybe it doesn't scale as well as it uh, as it did for Amazon. But um, the, the fact that they are making these investments, retailers are making these these investments in in um, back end data crunching or, hmm. um, you know, more predictive marketing or or or. Uh, any any way that they're able to execute what they're doing from an operational perspective faster and more effectively is is going to help them. So that's that's really the the theme of it. And and and, and Bezos's I think thought processes on this is that data will do that. You know the way that you process data using machine learning using other means is the way that that retailers are going to be able to combat the challenges that the markets that's the markets placing on them right now. So. Um, that's exciting for us to talk about because that's the basis of this podcast. But uh, it's yeah. you know we'll have to see the next time he releases something like this, uh, wh- what he says in it. But it looks like he's been honestly he's been saying the same thing for years, you know. <laughs> and that's good. Consistency is great, especially when yeah. it comes to someone like him. Yeah, and to so, your shareholders, right? Yeah. Shareholders oh, totally. expect stability. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me that. I mean, that's that's fantastic. And you know, he's that's just uh, that's just a um, uh, another feather in his cap as far as how well they're doing. So. Excellent. Well, I think that's it, Jose. That's a show. That's a show. We did it again. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have questions, comments, feedback, you can email us at brickdatacast at gmail.com. We're also on, on Twitter. It's at brickdatacast. Uh, we're a little more uh, active there, I think. At least we try to be. Um, find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and wherever else your favorite podcasts are found. And until next time, everyone, take care. Thanks. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>